Welcome to Round Trip Death, the place where we give voice to people who have experienced death, seen the other side, and return to talk about it. A place for answers to some of life's greatest questions, and a place with questions you may never have even thought of. This podcast is still fairly new and it's growing incredibly fast. For that, I just want to give a huge thank you to all of our listeners around the world. If you like what you hear, please share it with friends and take just a few seconds to write a review on your favorite podcasting app. Before we get into today's interview with Lawrence, I'd like to read some helpful information from IONS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies. If someone you know has had a near-death or similar experience, It is as if the other person has returned from a country you've never visited and cannot even imagine. The best thing you can do for them is to listen. Simply being with the person and letting him or her talk will be more helpful to them than you may think. You're not expected to have answers or opinions. There are many interpretations of NDEs and only the individual can decide the meaning of this particular experience. An NDE is not an indication of mental disorder, but its effects are often powerful. Some people adjust easily afterwards, while others feel challenged to integrate the experience into their subsequent lives. Their interests, hobbies, likes, and dislikes may change. They may seem moody and distant. Their personality may even seem different. If the person is really struggling, or if the changes are causing disruption of relationships, Professional help may be needed for the person to get back on track. If you have a close relationship with the experiencer, your world can be thrown into turmoil too. Many spouses, for example, have said, this is not the same person I married. Quite frankly, the divorce rate with near-death survivors is quite high. It's not easy living with someone who is in the throes of trying to integrate their experience. May we suggest doing some research on your own. Go online, listen to podcasts like this one, read books on the subject, do whatever you can to get up to speed, and to have empathy for what the person may be going through. Now, let's get on to today's interview. We have with us today, Lawrence Brock. Lawrence, welcome. How are you? Good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Good. I hope you don't mind if I mention to people you're in New Jersey here in the United States. We have listeners all over the world. Yes, I'm in New Jersey in Keensburg near New Jersey. I live right at the beach. It's right across the street. But if you walk about 50 yards that way, you can see the beach. So, Anyway, hey, Lawrence, tell us a little bit about yourself and then we'll get into your NDE after that. As you said, I live in New Jersey. I uh, Mostly live here because my daughter's mother lives here and we raised our daughter together. And uh, my daughter just turned 18, is going to be going to college in a couple of weeks. So my life is really going to change. So I've been here, she just turned 18 like a week ago. So I've been here about 19 years. Um, I have my healing and counseling practice that I've had for way longer than that, sometimes longer than I'd like to say. and I like living in New Jersey, and but my daughter going away to college. I know I might, my family's from Westchester, New York, not that far from here, but sometimes it crosses my mind to move there or, you know, it really opens things up with my daughter going off to college. So, so you're an Eastern uh, boy. I've been, in, I've lit, well, I've lived in Colorado, Arizona, 
actually Vancouver, Canada for a while. But yes, I've been here for many years. Yes, and I grew up in this area. Well, I know that you had a near-death experience some years ago. Would you give us a little background on what led up to it? Yes. Well, actually, at that time, I was living in Colorado, in Longmont, Colorado, which is about 25 miles north, directly north of Denver. And my roommate there, he was a childhood friend. So we both, our parents were both from uh, Westchester, New York. And we came back to East to visit our parents and we drove straight through, which meant we were both kind of tired. Uh, we went, each went to our prospective parents' house. We took his car and um, rested for a while. And I don't remember, one of us found out there was a party going on you know, with some friends from high school and we decided to go. So I asked my mother to use her car and we went to this party and we were partying, you know, drinking, smoking pot. And um, it was, I mean, I always say it's kind of a cute story because I was going to pretend I was higher than I thought I was so I could leave my car there and come back the next day to flirt with the young lady who was having the party. So I told her that I was going to leave my car. I had my friend drive me back to my parents' house. When we were almost there, I realized my sister needed the car the next day to go to work. And I told my friend, bring me back to the party. I had to explain what my scheme was to go, you know, leave my car there. <laughs> and he brought me back. And then, so I went in to tell the woman, young lady, I mean, I thought of her as a woman then, but now, you know, now I was in my early 20s, so was she. And um, I remember walking towards the door of the party and I can I still have that vision in my mind and you know I could see it people were a little hazy and a little too colorful like when you drink a lot and back it was in the 1970s I didn't really think twice of getting in the car and driving actually which you know obviously nowadays you don't get to not think about that uh, but so the next thing I remember I was out of my body floating I was in the white light it was all around me I wasn't going into the white light. I was in the white light. And below me, I could see it was nighttime. My body was leaning against a tree with my legs straight out on the ground. A police officer was crouching over me. I assume he pulled me out of the car, but I never verified that part. And so I was in the white light looking down in this. It seemed totally fine. My head was cracked open. My eyes were closed. And, you know, um, but it seemed fine. So I was in the white light. Behind me was this big circle of white, a different shade of white. And then within that was like a silhouette, like a full body silhouette of a person and kind of a, even another shade of white light beaming off, radiating off of that person. I don't know how long it was. And the main thing was how it felt. And even as soon as I say that now, it's like, oh, man, it feels so nice. Like hmm. sometimes people say, did you have a body? It felt like I had a body because I felt this nice feeling. I didn't look down to see if I had a body. But so I just had this feeling felt so nice and physically nice, emotionally nice. Like everything was OK. The world was OK. You know, everything was good. 
And it wasn't like this celebration kind of thing. It was like uh, just everything was okay. Do you remember the accident at all? No, not at all. Because you jumped right from headed home. Yes. And, and you're out of your body and it just kind of happened that fast, huh? That's that's all I remember, yes. I know it didn't happen that fast, but that's all I remember, yes. Sure. So was there a, a police officer that pulled you out of the car and put you up by a tree? I All I remember is seeing the police officer crouching over me. So I assumed he, I don't know, I didn't go back and ask how that happened. Uh, someone said it might have been divine intervention because... The car was so smashed, it's hard to believe I survived at all. And I had a Polaroid picture. I used to have it. And you know, I didn't really think of my near-death experience for years. And all of a sudden, it became a thing. And people started asking me about it. And then I start, I looked for the picture, and I didn't know where it was. I'm oh. still hoping I'm going to find it, but I haven't been able to. Yeah. Oh, that might bring, bring back some bad memories, too. What else do you remember? Explain this figure in the bright light a little bit more. Yeah, so it was a very feeling kinesthetic thing for me. And so then the being behind me said, you have to go back. Your father wants you to stay. I knew at that very moment, the father he was talking about was God, not my physical father. And so I went back in my body and came two, three days later in the hospital. Um, I did not know what to make of what happened. It was in the mid-1970s. It wasn't like, look on the internet. or I never really, I never heard of the expression near-death experience at the time. Um, but some things happened that one of the biggest things that changed is I just started meeting a lot of spiritual people. I started meeting people that had near-death experiences. And I don't think that was happening before, not that I was aware of. I had had some spiritual experiences happen to me before that, but it was kind of like I was ignoring them because, I don't know, just, you know, you grow up, you learn it a job, your work. You know, that's all that I thought life was really all about. So um, one thing happened, and I don't know, maybe six or eight months ago, I realized this was really such a cool thing because, so I was living in Colorado. I had the accident. I was, you know, it, unconscious for three days in the hospital for a couple of more weeks, and then I was able to leave the hospital. After a little while, I went back to Colorado. And, you know, I mentioned my experience to very few people. And um, then my mom kind of convinced me and bribed me to move back east and go into my dad's business. And so I was sitting in, in Tarrytown, New York, in my apartment, and someone knocked on the door. And I always joke around, now if someone knocks on the door, I don't even answer it because I assume it's an Amazon package. Or, you know, if someone would text me if they're coming over. But back then... Someone knocks on the door. Oh, hey, how you doing? So there was this beautiful woman at the door and she came, said, oh, you know, she said she's a sister of a friend of mine from Colorado. And she said, I heard some interesting things about you. And basically she heard about my near-death experience. And she came in and told me she knows someone who teaches about what happens after we die. And this was like, because you know, I was pretty much trying to ignore what happened because there was no purpose in it. And 
So she introduced me to this spiritual teacher and he started to talk to, so he, he had had a near-death experience and other people that would study with him had a near-death experience. But he started, he was actually a Sufi sheikh from the Islamic tradition. I was born in a Jewish family. So I don't know, but when she told me, I was like, I need to hear about this. And he talked to me about a couple of things. And when he, he talked to, like he knew what I needed to hear. So he talked to me about these things and I was going, oh, that's what I experienced. First, he talked to me about Mary and Mary's love of God and her openness to the Christ and God. And I said, oh, that was the feeling. And I still, when I say that, I get that feeling. Then he talked about Jesus and I realized that being behind me was Jesus. In So I knew what to think about it, but also in a very deep feeling way, I knew that. The other thing he mentioned was the ocean of divine love and benevolence, which is some is a thing in the Islamic religion. And there's some variations on that saying, but then I knew, well, that's the white light that I felt. It was like the, the ocean of white light of love and benevolence. And he just started to talk to me about all these spiritual things. And it was just my, I was just soaking it in because even though I was trying to ignore it, I had those questions. So that's when I learned what to think about what happened. You keep talking about this feeling. Yeah. Is there any, what, can you find some more adjectives to describe it better? I can try. I mean, there was a sense of great love. There was a sense of great understanding and knowing, but in a certain way saying any words on it is hard because it's even when you're saying knowing something, it would mean there's something that you have to know. There's also the ability to not know it, but it was more like being a part of this. You know, I describe it like, like the perfect summer day or you're in a, in a lake or, you know, something where the water is the perfect temperature. But, you know, people get it when I say that and then add on and there's no way to explain it. And then they get it because it, you know, most people have these instances sometimes in their life where it just feels like everything's so good and you you don't even know why, you know. So that's that's the best I can do. That's pretty good. Yeah. You saw being in the light. You heard someone behind you. Yeah, so actually the being was behind me and people say, so you could see behind you. Didn't seem like it, it's not like I had to look that way, but I knew it was there. Again, in the same way, the knowing was just knowing and the loving was just loving. I just knew. So, so you didn't have to turn around and look. No, that's interesting. It is. And, and it was a voice that sounded like our voices or was something different about it. No, it sounded like a voice. Like I, think I was hearing it. And, you know, people say that. And, you know, it was a while ago, and I have a very clear memory of it. But, you know, I'm, it in learning about spiritual things, it is, you know, it's like the imperative to want to know more and understand it more. And um, even the time when it, there was three days till I came to in the hospital, I wonder if other spiritual things were going on. And so, you know, I meditate a lot. I'm, I'm just try to be very open to learning more about it. Um, even though that it's been the same in my mind all these years, it hasn't changed at all, really. Clear back in the 70s, 80s, you know, whatever, many years ago, 
Yeah. Um, people that had their experiences way back then often tell me, Hey, I told one or one or two people and they said, don't talk about it. You sound crazy. <laughs> Did you get that kind of response from people? I don't remember anyone saying that, but no one, it's, no one said those words specifically, but people just kind of ignored it, you know? And so they were being nice by not saying yeah. anything, but not. Yes. It, it wasn't like any, so actually what happened, why even so, but I did learn a lot during that time. And there were people that had near death experiences, but I, then there was quite a while where no one, I didn't really talk about it. And I was teaching a class at the University of Bridgeport in Connecticut, Bridgeport, Connecticut, on mindfulness and breathing and meditation. And after the class, the woman who scheduled me going there said, oh, I'm teaching a class on, I thought she said death and dying, but I think she said like death and living or something. So it was studying different traditions about dying. And, um, but, you know, and I said, oh, I had a near-death experience. And she was like, oh, that's great. You got to come to my class. And, you know, I hadn't really thought about it specifically in a number of years. And then, so I posted something on Facebook because I said, oh, I was teaching, you know, just telling people that I was teaching the classes and how well it went. And then I said, and she scheduled me to teach this class and I'm going to share about my near-death experience. Within minutes, I got so many people saying, oh, I want to know more about it. And I thought, oh, I didn't even realize this was a thing people were interested in. So then I started sharing about it again. It's like right. there's this huge awakening going on right now. And I and I think it's great for people that have had these experiences because it's much more, I don't know if the word is accepted, but it's okay to talk about now. It's good to talk yeah. about now. And a lot of people that I've talked to have found it very therapeutic to finally be able to talk about it. It is. It's it's like coming out of a closet. I, I mean, it's this part of me that's so important. And I mean, it's I mean, I've had the opportunity to express this with in a small way because I've done this counseling for for years, but it's still it is so freeing to talk about it. And there's things on TV, you know, it's like it's right. I don't have to think I'm crazy because almost everyone is interested in it. Everyone wants to know about it. Not everyone, but a lot of people, even kids, you know, they're open to it. I have a teenage daughter who, you know, her friends are somewhat interested in it. And uh, like I said, it's in so many TV shows. So everyone knows about it. It's great. We actually have a lot of young listeners on this podcast. I mean, they, oh, cool. they span all ages, which to me is, is great. Because how do we not be interested in it, in what's going to happen after we die? Well, yeah, I mean, some traditional people don't want to hear about it because it'll, you know, change what their belief system is. But it is nice that a lot of people are open to it. It's well, great. and speaking of beliefs, so did having this experience change what you believed when it came to religion? Because you had grown up, you said, Jewish, and then what happened after that? Uh, well, my beliefs now, I guess you would say, are more Christian just because of my experience with Jesus in there. And I don't, I mean, I'm open to, and I learned a lot about Islam from the teacher. And But I've studied all different religions now because I think, I mean, the essence of these good, I, you know, there's some religions that are geared towards more dark things, but, you know, like Islam, Judaism, Christianity, Hinduism, Buddhism, you know, these Baha'i 
these are the basis of these religions are this love that we're talking about. And even if there's different saints in those religions, it is these people that brought forth this incredible love and this incredible wisdom. So that's really more my religion than um, I do. I go to a unity church. I'm also a minister in another church that both of them are Christian based, but it, it is about that loving and that wisdom that can come present. And wouldn't the world be a better place if that was what we were all teaching and following? In one way, I know that that is happening more and more, but sometimes it's hard with some of the horrible things that are going on in the world. And it, and especially with how the news is, they're always reporting the horrible things. You know, there are a lot of good people out there doing good things on a daily basis and, you know, being good parents, doing good things with the community and with the schools and things like that. But you don't hear about that too much because you hear about the killing and the, you know, wars and stuff. That part's a shame. Yeah, it really is. If someone were to come to you and say, hey, I don't really... I don't really have a religious background. I don't really, I haven't been taught what it's going to be like after this life. I don't even, if I know, believe if anything is going to be there after this life, what would you have to say to them? Um, well, I, I usually feel and believe that people have had some experiences where they know this loving and this wisdom in a certain way. And it depends how they label it. You know, it's, uh, I mean, people's qualities and skills come through in such a big way. Like people are born, you know, certain qualities. And I, I don't, usually I talk to people about some of that. And, and so sometimes, even though my work is very spiritually oriented, sometimes people come to me because their friends or spouses or loved ones force them to come see me because they're sick and they haven't found a remedy to, to their problem. And, you know, people kind of experience these mad, mystical, magical things, and whatever they label it, I don't know if it really matters. You know, I think people have had, it's, you know, our mind trying to understand something that's not understandable in our mind, so those people don't want to believe, but usually people have some experience that is something like that. Most people in this world, even people of faith, have a big fear of death. And will do anything they can to extend their life, no matter what is going on. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Uh, well, I feel a lot about that because my dad, who's 92, until maybe six months ago, you'd see him, you'd think he was 70. And since then, he's really gone downhill. So, And he's he has uh, Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS, and is the first thing that went is his ability to talk. And it really bothers him. So I know he's not he's not a happy camper and he's adjusting. But, it, you know, there was sometimes I can just see. I mean, one time I was there with my sister and we, you know, put him in. He wanted to sleep. But so we closed the door and then we heard him crying in there. And it was like, I don't know, you know, in one way, it's a sad thing because I don't want to say we should just let him die. But. I think he'll be happier when he is. So we take care of him and love him. But um, yeah, I would encourage people to have a living will because being maintained on a machine does not seem like the right thing to me. You know, people have their own beliefs and that's really up to them. And I honor and respect. Um, 
I had a friend who passed away a few years ago and she was, I knew her since she was very young and I was really good friends with her brother, not always really good friends with her. It was funny because when we were much younger, we just knew each other. My brother was good friends with her brother. And then some years later, we found we were doing similar spiritual studies. So we became closer like later in life. And then she got sick and she was sick for quite a while. And then all of a sudden she got much worse. And I didn't really feel drawn to go see her. She was in a, a hospital in, I think in Brooklyn, so, yeah, Brooklyn and, or, the, or the Bronx, some part of New York City, not in Manhattan. And um, something happened where my daughter went to a Broadway show with one of her friends. So I took her into the city and dropped her off there. And I had a few hours and was like, oh, I should go see you know, my friend. And I went there and I knew what was going on with her because we had common friends and everyone would post things on Facebook. And I went there and it was kind of like her family was so afraid for her to die. I mean, I could tell she was ready to pass on. And, you know, I went there and she had, she was very weak. A lot of times she couldn't even talk. She asked me to work on her. So I did some energy balancing and I could see she started to feel much more relaxed and better. And it was funny because her mom wanted me to leave. And I knew her mom since I was a little kid, but her mom wanted just family to be there. And this woman reached up and grabbed my arm and said, stay in this very powerful voice from this very weak place. So I stayed with her. And but I knew and even our friends were online saying, oh, she's not doing very well. And then after I was there, I said, she is doing very well. She's getting ready to pass. And I knew with what I did and, you know, I said a prayer and held the spiritual light there for her that she was going to pass pretty soon. And she did. But she went into this peacefulness inside and accepting that and was able to kind of do what she needed to do, regardless of her family, just kind of urging her, you know, spiritually and psychically to stay there and stuff. And, but it was really beautiful to be a part of that. And um, I don't I hope that answers your question. I know that's an involved story, but passing on is part of life. And it is, you get to go to this beautiful place that I got to experience in my near-death experience. So I'm not afraid of that part. I definitely don't want to be suffering here, you know, in the process of dying. Yeah, I think the process of it sounds a lot scarier than actually once it's done, definitely. Yeah. And having had that experience, it's a whole lot, you know, I mean, I can see a lot of things in spirit now, which is kind of cool, but I can tell sometimes people believe in things that's different than experiencing it. I mean, I have this gift from my dear death experience that I can hold that energy around people and they can really feel it a whole lot more than just believing it in their mind. So did your near-death experience give you any feeling on maybe what it was like before we came here to earth or what we're going to be doing after we go? Um, you mean individual people or are you talking about as a race? Yeah. Like, what do you think you were doing before or will be doing after? It's funny. So not that long ago, all of a sudden I had a new understanding of what happened during my near-death experience. And it was basically about meditating because when I meditate, it, it is like I am attempting to go to that place and do that thing that happened. 
And it was like, oh, and it was this whole new level of knowing that I have no idea. (laughs) When you can let go of it in your mind and then you go there and it was like, oh man, I was shown this, you know, however, 40 years ago or whatever. Um, So a lot of it was not direct information, but my understanding is it's just, you know, I guess in the way we think of angels, that's what it's like. It's like we're like angels and we, although we're not angels, but it's like that. And we live in this wonderful place that is kind of like what people think of as heaven. And that's, and there is work to do and there's stuff to learn there, but there's no physical body. And it, it just is that feeling that I was describing how, you know, feeling so good and knowing everything and loving everything. That's my understanding. As you're describing those things, the smile that comes to your face is is amazing. Yeah, I, I'm not seeing any fear or dread on your face. It's this like amazing, when it's my time, I'll be so happy to go back there. Yeah, it does seem like that. That's Yeah, even it starts, you know, it's even now it's like almost starting to laugh and almost feel like crying. It's so beautiful. That's how wonderful it is. That must be a nice thing to carry with you day in and day out. It is, but and I have to remember to connect to that because I am still of the physical world and um, there's a lot of things that go on that are, and, you know, there's things in the spirit that are challenging us doing that. So it takes, and I encourage the listeners to meditate regularly and journal right those are probably the two most important things and take care of yourself honor your gifts whatever it is whatever that thing is inside of you that's a gift your positive attributes just really honor and i want to say honor 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 because i don't even again it's kind of like you just respect that those gifts from god so much that that you're honoring yourself and this thing i'm talking about but they're together okay i got it well is is there anything else you want to share with us no i think that's it and you know feeling it in there i just want to kind of close my eyes and float away so there is some of that but there is doing things i think being of service um i i mentioned my daughter's going to be going to college so most of her life you know i've been involved with the local school system doing volunteer work, you know, do things with local churches, you know, anything. And the the church thing, I don't think, you know, a big part about churches are that you get to do good things and you meet good people. You don't have to buy into some of the religious things that are judging people and putting them down, but there, you know, there's people there willing to work on themselves. There's people there wanting to create good things in the world. So, and then hopefully in schools too, in the community. So that's, I just encourage everyone to really embrace their gifts and go for it, whatever, however silly they seem, whether it's, I don't know, you know, I mean, being a parent is probably the greatest gift. Absolutely. Sure. Okay. If anybody wants to get a hold of you, do you mind if we give them your contact info? Yeah, that would be great. So my YouTube channel is Dr. Lawrence Brock. My TikTok is kind of cute because it's Doc Brock at TikTok. So that's D-O-C-B-R-O-C-K. My website is lawrencebrock.com. 
And my, you can text me or, you know, send me a message in WhatsApp at 732-567-6388. Okay. Thanks a lot for being with us today, Lawrence. Thank you. This is great. It's, yeah, it was nice that you were open to hearing about this and I really got into the joy about it. And that's why it's so great to share this and hopefully people will pick up on that. If you've had a round-trip death experience and would like to share it with us, we would love to hear from you. Send an email to me, eric at roundtripdeath.com. And lastly, if you've found this program uplifting, if it's given you just a little more hope in the future, share it with a friend, rate us five stars, and be sure to visit roundtripdeath.com. Until then, I wish you everything good that you're looking for in this life and the next. Music